Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode number five of the Comedy Collision Podcast. I am your host, Nick Hannock, and I just want to thank you for listening to our LLs, our loyal listeners. Please uh, keep tell everybody you know and uh, like, subscribe, and uh, download the podcast on the Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Uh, that's how we see uh, how the podcast is doing. So please, uh, you know, tell someone, share it on your story, do something to help us out. We, because uh, we love you. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, tonight, today's guest is Adam Ray, one of my comedy icons. He um, is one of the greatest comedians with crowd work that I've ever seen. Uh, very, very. I cannot believe um, that we have him on the podcast. It's amazing. So. He, he's on I did botch the first like 10 minutes which is my bad but we fixed it and then we did like another 50 45 so it's awesome um, and I really hope you guys enjoy the episode because uh, I learned a lot so yep uh, please listen please like subscribe thank you to everyone uh, who supported the podcast we love you all and without you this wouldn't be possible alright let's do this here we go Everybody, thank you for tuning in to the podcast number five. I can't believe we've done five of these things so far, but it's been fun. I've been having a great time uh, doing them, and I hope you guys have had a great time listening to them. Cause uh, I know I could be a lot, so I appreciate you guys. <laughs> I appreciate you guys listening. You know, um, how how are we today? How is everyone doing from last week? Uh, the Dodgers, congratulations to your 2020. World Series champion Dodgers. Um, you know, it, my uh, my old roommate was a big Dodger fan, and if he's hearing this, shout out to him. Uh, you know, you could be a bandwagon fan all you want, but you had to you had to sit through two World Series losses, which I can't even imagine having to go through. So that uh, you did it, you made it, you're at the mountaintop. Congratulations! It's awesome. It's cool. Um, how are we doing, though, everybody? I uh, I haven't been sleeping at all. You know, I uh, I got that thing where my brain just kind of keeps running at night where uh, it's tough to shut it off sometimes. Uh, I like to like I come up with all these crazy ideas, uh, whether that be like for jokes or for the podcast or for whatever it be. And I just I just can't turn it off at that time. And then I wake up the next morning like and 85 percent of my ideas are just like, oh, man, those were stupid. Those are bad. Those are not as cool as you thought. Um, and there's then there's that other 15 where it's like, hey, not bad, not a bad one. And, uh, yeah, so that sucks. I just, I need to get some more sleep. I really do. Um, tossing and turning. And uh, I can't take the melatonin because then I won't wake up in the morning. Melatonin, um, I d- always dream on melatonin. Always dream on melatonin. And also, um, I wake up for like a half hour in the morning. Like I'll wake up at probably around the time I should wake up. And then I'll fall back asleep. Not even for a half hour. Sorry, I woke up for like five minutes and then I fall back asleep. And next thing you know, I'm out for another three and a half hours. And uh, having a real career and a real job, uh, old Nicky, uh, old Nicky Melatones can't be doing that. And uh, yeah, so I gotta get some sleep. But we'll figure it out. We'll be good. We'll we'll figure all this out. That's a that's a later issue. That's a 
uh, a later Hannock problem than a Hannock now problem. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, everything's closing back down again. I kind of talked about it last uh, last week, but everything's closing back down, dude. It sucks. I was supposed to get drinks with coworkers tonight. Uh, I'm recording this Thursday night, and um, I was not able to do that because I don't want to go down on a train and then, you know, get in random Ubers. Uh, I've been looking at places in the city now to live uh, for this problem because you know I, I'm gonna be working down there, and once this thing opens up, it's gonna be a grind in the clubs. And um, I'm, I gotta find a place, so I'm looking in Old Town right now, maybe a little bit of Lincoln Park um, or Lakeview, and uh, we're gonna figure it out. We'll, we're gonna figure out where to live and how to live it up in the city. Um, pretty soon, pretty soon, I think coming up on the new year, we might be thinking about moving out. Who knows? But yeah, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, but like I was saying, everything's closing, dude. I, and the best part about life sometimes, man, is getting lunch with people, man. Getting dinner one-on-one with someone. I miss dates. I miss dating. Like, it's, oh, man, not that I was going on a lot, but, man, taking a girl out on the town, there's nothing better than that. Um, I went on, a, like, a date or two during quarantine, and it was just like, it was. there was an aspect that was weird where you had to wear the mask, and then... Um, I don't know. There's just always that weird, like, yeah, the, we could get COVID doing this. And, um, and you're too, not, not necessarily strangers, but you are strangers. Um, so it's it's just weird. And I can't wait to go out there. Like, I had dinner with my one friend at uh, Portillo's, right? Uh, it's just a great, one of my favorite places in the world to eat. Had it at Portillo's. And we go there, and it you have to eat outside. Uh, of course, which I think they allowed you to eat inside, but she or he, um, I don't want to give away the identity here, um, didn't want to eat inside, so we ate outside, and we just laughed all the time. We just had a great time connecting with friends, connecting as friends, I should say. It was awesome. It was great to have like some deep conversation, have some good food, and just talk it over, but you can't do that now because they're closing everything. You can't go out to a bar and get hammered and have a great conversation. Say some emotions you wouldn't say otherwise when you're sober, you know? <laughs> you can't do that. I'm the king of that, by the way. Like, sober, I don't say, I got to keep it all kind of tight and not, um, I don't let let a lot out, which is, you know, probably terrible for my health. But uh, we push it down. We push it down. And then um, when I'm, all of a sudden, the next thing, you know, gave me two, two uh, screw, peanut butter screwball whiskey shots. Try to get them as a sponsor for the podcast. And um, I'm pouring out my soul to someone. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I miss it. And I can't wait to go back and be able to do that again, man. I really can't. I actually um, had a... I, I, we went back to this Portillo's I haven't been to in a while. And uh, the last time I was at this Portillo's, I had such an incident happen where uh, it was me and my other buddy who was... Um, we were catching up, getting Portillo's there, and uh, I got a combo, which is, you know, a dipped beef sandwich with cheese. And, uh, of course, they take an Italian sausage and just shove it right up in there. And I'm eating that, and I finish it. And then, you know, because I ate that, your boy's got to go to the bathroom. I had to go. Like, there was no decision that was made. It was made for me. I had to go. And I go to the bathroom. And there's someone in the stall already. And I'm like, fuck, all right, well, the handicap stall's open. And, you know, this is an emergency, kind of, not really. But I still had to go, so I went in the handicap stall. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, we go in the handicap stall. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm about to, like, 
you know, start doing my business and I hear the other guy next to me finishing up. And when and he flushes, next thing you know, two inches of standing toilet water come flooding into my stall. And I kick my legs up and go, whoopsies. I don't know why I yelled whoopsies. It wasn't my fault. And now I'm sitting here on Toilet Island. My legs are in like a 90 degree. So my legs are straight. I'm at 90 degrees on the toilet. I still haven't finished or started my business. Uh, and the water is just filling up. I'm like, oh my God, this is gross. This is nasty. This is disgusting. What do I do? What do I do? And the guy leaves. And as he's leaving, I guess he runs into like a Portillo's employee because he goes, uh, up to the guy and he goes, oh, hey, um, I think the toilet's clogged. You think? You think the toilet's clogged? Of course it's clogged. I know I'm screaming in the mic. I gotta, I'm going to have to lower the fucking sound on that. But, dude, of course it's clogged. The poop doesn't come back up and out. <laughs> it doesn't come up and out. Of course it's clogged. Oh, my God. And the guy goes, oh, my God. And he goes, and the, um, the employee comes in to the stall, and he flushes it again, which brings two more standing inches of toilet water into the stall. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we doing? I'm yelling at him. I'm like, what are we doing over there? And all <laughs> I wish I could tell you this was a made-up story. And uh, the guy leaves, right? And now it's just me in there. It's just me, me sitting at a 90-degree angle with four inches of toilet water beneath me. And I'm like, how do I get out of here? I got to get out of here somehow. So I stand up on the toilet. Like I squat on the lid of the toilet, right? I do a few wipes because I'm like, I don't want to have, I already have this issue. I don't want to have a rash later. So I <laughs> do a few wipes. I'm squatting on the top of the toilet seat and I look up over the stall door and there's just a guy peeing at the uh, urinal and he turns around. <laughs> he turns around and sees me just staring at him over the top of the stall, which is and uh <laughs> he go i go no no I'm, I'm like no 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 it's not like that and uh he just turns back around like 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 it's not weird and i'm like all right that, that was really fucking creepy don't act like it's every day you see a uh, a teen no i wasn't a teenager what was i like 20 oh fuck teenager i was like 22 21 and um yeah <laughs> And uh, so I'm like, now I got to get out of here. So my plan is to Tom Cruise it, right? I'm going to Tom Cruise helicopter jump from the toilet seat all the way to the door, right? I'm going to land on the door. It's going to swing open. And I'm going to land to dry land. I'm going to get to the island. I'm going to get to the island, my peoples. And I go one, two, three. And I jump and it feels like I'm flying. But in reality, it was less than a second. And I jump, I hit the door, swings open. I'm on dry land, baby. I'm back. And I'm on dry land. And uh, I get out and I start walking towards the sink. And at the sink is the guy who was peeing at the urinal washing his hands. And I go up to him and I'm like, 
Yeah, I think the toilet was clogged. <laughs> and I started chuckling. And the guy just like stared at me and he just walked out. And uh, yeah, that's a true story for Portillo's. That's not made up in the slightest. People hear that story, they think it's made up. It's like, it's so gross. I, I couldn't make that up. I don't want to make that up. And uh, so yeah, that was my last uh, Portillo's experience right there. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't go back to that. But the the main part of all of this rant was to tell the people out there, I miss, there's nothing better than just catching up with someone and having a one-on-one dinner or lunch. I literally had a one-on-one FaceTime with someone um, from my past uh, who I haven't seen in like eight, nine years. And we caught up and it was different now. And we caught up and it was it was awesome though. We laughed about things we la- we haven't laughed about in nine years. We laughed about things now. It was it was awesome, man. We cleared up stories. We told new stories. It was it was really just a great time, and I people need that in their lives. It's great, and I think I'm gonna start reaching out to more people about that. I don't know if it's people from high school or people from even earlier than that. It might be teachers. It might be uh, old bosses. Who knows? I don't know. I just had a great time doing that. Um, I will say this though, it's probably not gonna be old bosses. <laughs> You know, I have not had like, uh, I've had a good share of bosses, but I, I definitely have not loved all of them. Uh, I had one guy at Illinois Energy um, who was just a wild card man. And he was, he was the best man. He was so motivational. Um, and he really got the best out of his employees. I believe that truly. Um, so shout out Dave. Um, Dave, if you're listening to this, shout out Dave. He's the man. And then uh, I, I worked for Coach Josh too. So that was the shit. Working for a um, DG legend. Coach Josh, and uh, we did. I taught sports. I taught little kids how to play sports. That was the shit. That was the summer of uh, what sixteen, summer of sixteen. It was great. I got to, I got to meet some new people, teach some kids how to play sports. It was awesome. It was the best. But uh, yeah, so we got a great episode coming up. Uh, again, I feel terrible. I feel horrible that I missed the first ten minutes of uh, the recording with Adam Ray. Um, especially cause I look up to this guy and, you know, I wanted, uh, uh, you know, not, not screw up, but I did, I did screw up and everyone screws up in life. And, um, I feel like I did a really good job with the next, uh, 40 minutes of it, but, uh, he told some great stories on the podcast that, uh, you know, aren't on there and I feel bad about it, but you know, that's just life. And, uh, sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. So please, please, please enjoy my guests at this time. Adam Ray. Thank you guys. Please share, review, and like the podcast. Thanks, guys. But my next guest at this time comes to us currently all the way from down under in Australia, where he's getting ready to act in The Rock's new show, Young Rock. He can also be seen starring in the Bellman streaming now, one of the best comedians out there. My guy, Adam Ray. Adam, how you doing? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm excited to Hopefully. continue. But, <laughs> I mean, for your listeners, just so you know, good 10 to, excuse me, 10 to 12 minutes of banter. And, uh, you know, I'm going out of my way to, to give Nick some great stories. A couple I've never told on podcasts before. Actually, one only on a radio show about Dave Grohl and a Nirvana story that he told me in Australia. And Nick uh, wasn't recording, but you know what? From here on out, he's gonna know that it's, uh, 
you just hit that record button and you edit later, right? Yeah. But, great, uh, great. Let's knock it out. Here we go. I'll turn up the turn up the heat. Dude, what uh, I was gonna I, I start with the the hardest what I call the hardest question, right? And the hardest question is I'm gonna start you with three numbers: nine, zero, three. Those numbers mean anything to you? I mean, in that yeah. order. In that order. Nine zero three. Nine zero three. Nine zero three. You ready for it? I don't, I don't. Yeah. This is your stat line from the All Star Game, Celebrity All Star Game, two thousand nineteen. Ooh. All right. I think we're back in good. Nice pull. Thank you. We're All back right. in good graces. Cool. Cool. Um. How the nine points? Did I have yeah. three rebounds? Yeah. No. Nice. Yeah. No assists. Three rebounds. Guess what? I would have had a couple assists, but um, uh, well, shit. I would have had. I missed one three. I would have had fucking twelve points if uh, if Steve Smith didn't dislocate my finger stealing a <laughs> uh, an outlet pass from Bad Bunny, which is a sentence I thought I'd never say. But yeah, I'm surprised I had any points because I actually tore my calf the day before at practice and got like a massage and like a shot, a steroid shot. I mean, it was it was fucked. Dude. I was I couldn't walk the day before, and uh, and then I put on like two. Um, uh whatchamacallit um you know uh, compression uh sleeves yeah yeah and uh and then adrenaline dude i got out there and i was like there's no way i'm not gonna try to play but you can see it in the way i'm moving like i'm not moving right it was also a couple pounds heavier so there was just there was a lot going on but but uh but i deed up dr oz i got a nice spin move on jb smooth talk some shit D wade d wade told me my spin move was legit i ran over after the timeout after because you know <laughs> If you watch the game, I got six points back to back to back. I checked in and got two fast breaks and then the spin move. And uh, and after that spin move, you know, I go to the sidelines. There was a timeout called, and D Wade stood up, and I just put my hand out and just was like, "Let's go!" Yeah. And D Wade was like, "Yo, that was legit, man." And I was like, "You taught me that spin move." He was like, "All right, man, chill." I was like, "Okay, cool, man. <laughs> Give me your number after the after yeah. the game, and we'll hang out." He's like, "No." Nope. I was like, "All right, let's take that to heart, maybe." Um, but yeah, that was a that was a dream. Nice, good opener, cool. good opener. Solid stat line, I feel like. Yeah, no, definitely. And what's the here's like a little inside story to that? Here's a little extra story about that. So Brad Williams, my uh, at the time podcast uh, co-host, we were playing together, and uh, he was on on our uh, on our squad, and I had pitched to Sue Bird, our coach. I hit her up on Twitter. I was like, Yo, I bought this thing called a, uh, um, a it's called a back. Uh, some hiking backpack type thing for kids and dads where it's like you strap it on like this and there's like a metal bar uh, on the back of it and then the kid stands on it and puts their hands on your shoulders perfect for kids or yeah. dwarves so i bought it and i was like brad i think we should bust this out and uh, during a timeout put it on have you get on my back and we'll play defense it'll just be a fun gag definitely make the make the highlight reel yeah uh i hit up sue about it she's like fuck yeah sounds hilarious and then for whatever reason, I guess I just felt like I needed to run it by the NBA. So I sent them any, a message and they were like, absolutely not. I was like, why not? They're like, what if he falls? I go, it'll be hilarious. They're like, we don't have dwarf insurance. I'm like, is that real? You should. It's not that probably expensive. Uh, and so uh, they vetoed that. And then Sue was like, you got to ask for forgive forgiveness, not permission. Yep. Um, and I brought it anyway. And one of the guys saw it at my locker and he was like, What's that? And I was like, 
oh, it's the backpack thing. I was thinking about it. He's like, nope. I go, alrighty. Yeah. So that was that. Could have been great. Could but have been. guess what? If I did drop Brad, I mean, <laughs> that's a high, it, it was at least four feet off the ground, as tall as he is. So that was probably a good call in the NBA being like, yeah. yo, we can't have falling little people in our in the start of our whole weekend yeah. that's going to put Spreading a damper on things yeah 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 exactly <laughs> that's great what's the atmosphere like is it like uh you go out there with the mindset of like let me score or are you like trying to obviously no one's trying to pass it was like nine assists on the team total but uh like i don't some- know hassan minaj told me that he yeah hassan minaj uh who's on our team said that the year before he played he was trying to um uh pass a lot so this time out he was like i'm trying to get as many buckets as i can yeah uh you know i i don't know i i love basketball and i've played all my life and so i i think i have a basketball brain so you know my first three or four times i touched the ball i was looking to pass and made a couple i thought good passes and i'm just i'm looking to just make basketball plays but then yeah like at a certain point you're like all right i gotta get i gotta get a bucket like yeah but again that just comes with the flow of the game like even that spin move when i got the ball i was you know, dribbling towards the bucket on a fast break. And both guys that were on the right uh, and left of me weren't open. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to probably take this to the hole. And then what's, how do, what's the move here? And, and the spin move just naturally happened, man. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you don't want to be like what Quavo was doing, which is just shoot the ball every time. Yeah. I mean, look, he had 27 points. And that guy, you know, he's so cool. He, he barely gave me the time of day, which was kind of fucked up. I was like, dude, I ain't trying to, like, crash one of your yacht parties. I'm just yeah. trying to give you dabs. We're on the same team. And he was so dismissive, but but uh, but whatever. But he's, you know, he's in a Mountain Dew commercial, so that's cool. That is cool. Yeah, Bagels through the ship. But uh, awesome, cool. Well, yeah, that's just how I kind of want to start it, even though we started uh, <laughs> in a different way. But, uh, yeah, uh, basically your career, it's, I mean, you started in, uh, you're from Seattle. You uh, go to USC, right, for college. What, what made you go to USC? Is it like yeah, you were acting school, yeah. Yeah, was it like I wanted to be acting like as a kid, like in high school, were you acting? Or were you just like, you know, you graduated and took a chance and like, you're done with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I was, you know, I had to audition for their acting program at SC. And, uh, you know, I went down and stayed at a buddy's, fraternity uh this kid i went to high school with wrote on the school newspaper with him and just know, knew his family real well and and uh and i hit him up and hadn't talked to him in a minute i was like do you mind if i crash at your place for my uh school theater audition he's like yeah come stay in my frat i was like <clears throat> even cooler you know get to experience some of that greek life and i got fucked up this is the night before my audition yeah. i mean first time i really smoked out of a bong and <laughs> i was just as fucking high as i've ever been in my entire life yeah and the the, uh, the greek row at usc is perpendicular to a street called figueroa which is like las vegas of fast food <laughs> everything is on there wendy's carl's jr taco bell mickey d's whataburger fat burger subway domino's uh popeyes fucking everything dude and i somehow got in my head that i was going to go to every one of these spots and get one item and so my stony ass did that and uh I was just in no shape to audition. This is my future we're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. I go in the next morning, so sick. I'd worked on these two monologues in Seattle for like four months prior. And uh, I narrowed down my schools to like three schools I was going to audition for. Two of them I had knocked out because our uh, basketball uh, team, my senior high school, 
was a game away from the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years. And, the, and that deciding game was on the day of my audition for NYU. And I was like, nope, that's, it wasn't meant to be. I'm not missing this game. We <laughs> lost by one, did an audition. So I auditioned for the uh, USC School Theater. And, and I think it was something uh, about being that sick the next morning that took all my stress and inhibitions uh, away as far mm -hmm. as I wasn't worried. I just, I, I was like, dude, I, all, all I was thinking about was I was just sick enough to lock in and do the audition and then was like, get me the fuck out of here. I got to go sleep and puke and, and yeah. all that. And, uh, and not in that order. And so, but yeah, acting as a kid, I did a lot of play. First play, it was a cowardly line on the wizard of Oz in fifth grade. Nice. And then, uh, but I did like skits and cub scouts and shit before that. And, um, you know, I just loved, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like I was, I used to impersonate teachers and friends. Like I used to, there was a, I, I, I always uh, call back to when I feel like I started to, you know, figure out that I was funny and also loved making people laugh was, there's a girl named Annie Bernhard that moved to our school district in the fourth grade, like 1993 and uh, 93, 94. And she, uh, she was like the, the it girl, you know, cute, yeah. funny, athletic, just popular right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and she was not into me. She liked my skinny, uh, more athletic, uh, <laughs> friends that didn't wear the same bra as she did. And, um, and she, uh, so I <laughs> would impersonate her voice in telling a friend of mine about how she kind of given me the, uh, the stiff arm. And he's like, man, that's so good. My voice hadn't dropped yet, so I could kind of do it pretty well. So we called my buddy, who she had a crush on and kind of was, you know, holding hands with at lunch and stuff. And I uh -huh. called my buddy and pretended to be her. And we uh, pranked him for like 20 minutes, just three or four times. It's fucking diabolical looking back, yeah. but very funny in the moment. And, um, and so gauging, you know, I was just seeing my friends dying laughing. And I was like, that was, that was a good feeling. And then... You know, I would say I was a bigger kid, uh, and so the teasing sucked. But when I would make people laugh, they started to look at me as the funny kid, not the fat kid. And so yeah. I definitely uh, attribute that as the catalyst for me continuing to follow comedy because I was like, oh, not only is it taking, is it making me feel, making me feel good, it's making them feel good. It's a fucking win-win, yeah. you know. And for whatever reason, it's, you know not it's it's comes easy to me to do i don't have any real trepidations about you know in small things it'd be like on the bus i would prank call seattle sports radio stations and record them on my, my first sony and bring them on the school bus and play them <laughs> for friends and you know again doing these impressions in small situations and then you know the first play i did in fifth grade i definitely had a little bit of stage fright and nerves but not as much as you uh might expect and then uh you know start doing all this school plays and musicals and and uh I quit football my sophomore year of high school to do Greece play Danny Zuko the lead and that was the play that I was like oh man like the th school theater was a big deal in our community and I'd always gone to shows as a kid and and so to have my first lead on the show and it was a big show and it was a lot of fun and and just the whole process of the play and how collaborative it was and just that that's what made me and also sophomore year you're at a point where you need to start deciding like what your path is going to be yeah junior years when you start like applying to schools or i think at least visiting schools and starting to narrow it down and so uh so i was like i think i want to do acting you know it's cool. 
and, and there's a handful of kids that talk about that in the school theater and whatever. And looking back, it is, you know, it does feel kind of crazy that I just was like, eh, I'm going to do that. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to try to hopefully go to LA, I guess is the move. You don't, not being from uh, a place where the business is happening or knowing anyone connected to it, you know, definitely is, is uh, I feel like a disadvantage, but also an advantage because you're, um, you know, blissfully ignorant to the whole, to how difficult it all is. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'll audition for the school theater at a school that's big in LA. That's, um, you know, uh, where the acting school was, is really uh, well-respected and, and we'll see what happens. If I didn't get in, I probably would have gone to university of Washington and then gone to LA at some point. But um, thank God I was able to go right after high school and get it going. But, um, but yeah, I then graduated uh, with a BFA in acting and then got a job at universal studios, uh, being a tour guide on the Backlot tour and playing Wolverine and hosting the Fear Factor live show and still taking acting classes and improv classes and then starting to do open mics and yeah. just trying to do as much as possible. At that stage, you're like, <clears throat> I got to build something out of nothing. I've got a theater degree, which is not really going to get me anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it's USC Connections. There's always that with, I think, uh, any school's alma mater, especially in LA. USC holds a, a good uh, torch for uh, certain things you do. There's always someone you're going to meet that is you know that has a tie to that school um but uh but i was just like i got to control what i can control which is doing as much yeah. as possible and trying to have my feet as, in as many pools as possible and just get experience right now i just need to start honing everything and then pr basically prepare yourself for opportunities that are going to hopefully come at a later point and hopefully that you're ready for them and that's one thing that takes a minute to get used to as well is you want stuff so quickly as soon as you get a, a little bit of momentum going a couple good shows you're like i'm ready for a special or one good audition and a callback you're like how come i haven't booked it? you know and it's just like you gotta enjoy the whole journey of it and just be patient and know that you didn't get that that year you weren't supposed to you're only going to be a year better if you keep working on it mm -hmm. and, and maybe it'll come next year but that takes time to even develop that sense of uh, awareness and it did for me and, and i think it does for a lot of people but that's what I always try to tell anyone who's getting going is like, just fucking slow your roll, man. And yeah. don't look at these people like, I don't know, fucking Ashton Kutcher, who was discovered from, a, you know, the coffee shop. Some hot guy was like, you're hot. You know, want to <laughs> fucking put on some underwear in my van and I'll take some snapshots or I don't, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember how that went down, but, but close. that story <laughs> it's close. Yeah. yeah. With those types of stories are few and far between it's, you can't, if you're going, if you're not willing to just fucking sacrifice and put in all the work, I don't even, honestly, man, it's like, uh, friendships, relationships, it was, they were all secondary to, to the grind. And, uh, and, you know, I finally gotten to a point to where I'm, uh, more, uh, except, you know, I find that balance, which you can eventually, but, but shit, man. Yeah. It, uh, you've got to be all in or you're not even giving yourself a fair shot to, see what you can do and sure. and thank god i did that because you know i one of my favorite quotes is you know ironically this michael jordan quote where, where that he says uh i can accept failure but i can't accept not trying and i was like yeah man fucking nailed it because it's <laughs> like yeah you don't get a job or you don't get like whatever but did you fucking do the best that you could do for that were you you know like that's not doing not having that for uh for any, um, you know, uh, gig, knowing that I didn't bring it. Uh, once you get to a point where you know what you got, 
Mm-hmm. You got to, again, be a little delusional to even step foot in the entertainment business. But, yeah. but to get to a point to where you've honed it and you go, fuck, like now it's like, I don't feel like there's anything I can't handle on stage stand-up wise. And um, just with all the things I've experienced and the level of trust I've gained in myself and, yeah. and the chops and the reps and the shows and, and you know, 10,000 plus hours, all that bullshit. But getting to that point, uh, you know, it's, you just have to be all in to, to even see if that's something that you can, uh, you can rock. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, th- yeah. What a great answer that was to that. Um, were you recording? <laughs> yeah. It was fucking Jesus recording. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Or were you doing, uh, you said after college, so was college never like, you never thought about doing open mics in college or, um, no, I did a couple, here's the thing. I did like maybe, um, two or three, um, uh, I did two or three open mics when I would go back to Seattle, um, during the holidays just to get on stage. Yeah. Um, but I was real apprehensive to jump fully into it cause I knew what that world required to stand up. Mm-hmm. Again, like all that sacrifice I'm talking about that all facets of the business require. And I just wasn't willing to do it yet. So I did a couple frat parties in college places where I just was like, all right, it feels safe doing it here. And it's still a challenge. And, and also it was, I didn't, I was real nervous to do it. It was like when we had a frat party uh, at my fraternity uh, in college at USC uh, and our friend's band was going to play, they asked and I was like the funny guy in the frat. So they were like, and I'd done stand up when I studied abroad in London, I did it a few bars. And again, I had a few tapes of open mics when I would go back home. So everyone knew I was a funny guy and I was kind of dabbling in it. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, they just asked me to open for the band. And so, yeah, you're just like, fuck it. I mean, obviously I'm like, I don't have fucking any, what am I, maybe eight minutes. That's yeah. maybe two, two of it's okay. But <laughs> yeah. even then I was just like, I can't say no to this. I need to, I need to get it. Cause at some point you have to start saying yes. And you have to yeah. start getting reps again. Like when I've sat down with people that want to pick my brain about comedy and they're trying to find shortcuts and how many th- times until I can do this? Like, dude, time will tell you're, I mean, yeah. but, and then they would say like, I've got all these material. I'm just trying to figure out when to go on stage and where to do it. I'm like, fuck that. You don't get to be choosy now. You just got to find a place to get up and start doing it. You just got to get reps. And, uh, so, but the, but I mean, these frat parties, both of them, the, the bands were like, I mean, one of them was almost two hours late at UCLA and I went up and they wanted me to do 30 minutes before the band. I only did like 15 <laughs> people were booing. I was screaming. Like it was awful. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I didn't fully jump into it until 2007. Uh, when my girlfriend at the time and I uh, split, she was dating a cameraman in Reno. We went to USC <laughs> together and she moved to New York to okay. be a page at NBC uh, and was crushing it. And she got a job being a news reporter in Reno, which was good first gig. But now she goes from LA to New York to Reno. She's fucking young, hot, 24, depressed, and just fucks the camera guy. And I knew it too. He was the only guy that was like around her age. I remember he shook my hand when I went out there to to see her. And he was like, what's up, man? I'm Jeff. And I was like, you're going to fuck her. I said that in my head. And uh, and then it happened. What's that? You didn't just yell out, oh, you're going to fuck her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, yeah, have, have fun with her, man. Take care of her for me. No. But there was just something. About, it was. It's so funny that I could just, it, you know, the whole situation was bad news bears from yeah. the start. But, um, but that's when I fully, after we split, I was like, all right, well, now I got no excuse to not really go for this. Yeah, shit. And so, oh man, that's that's such a segue I could take. But uh, 
Yeah, we'll do it. Fuck it. We'll chase it. Uh, with uh, being you know, full-time comedian, with open mics, you're doing as much as you could. Um, I was talking to uh, Mike Linochi, who uh, I'm sure you know very well. Uh, he was saying he went up like 400 times his first year. Like the first year of doing it with open mics, he would try to go up as much as he could, even more than once a day on average, right? 400 to 65. Um, how do you make, is there time for, you know, dating relationships and stuff like that? Um, how do you yeah, make it? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I had, a, I did long distance a few times. And so that was actually as much of a bummer as that was, it was ideal for yeah. the work schedule for a comedian, but, um, but you know, awful in other ways, cause just the emotional wear and tear after a while. But sure. Uh, yeah, I never really was one of those people that counted my reps. I, it's almost like when people talk about their many times and I look, whatever works for you, obviously, like if, you, if that keeps you, people that write it down uh, and, and go, fuck, I'm doing, and, and keep a log. And if that's what drives you and sets your goals to be like, I want to do it this many times, but there's no number that says you do it 400 times in a year yeah. and you're this much better. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking stand up map. Yeah, reps. Trying new, I mean, how about like writing down like how many times did you do new material? How many times did you, uh, what did you learn from that set? How many times a week are you like stepping out of your comfort zone and staying in the pocket on a new bit that you bailed on the previous set? Yeah. Um, that's what I try to focus on. And again, you know, Mike, uh, whatever works for you. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sure he's there, no, but I mean. I mean, look, I, I, I just, I never understood that. It's almost like, like, you think like fucking Larry Bird, like, like, again, make the notes. But then I guess when you tell people and post about it, that's when I'm like, who fucking cares? Like, yeah. do the work. Like, you know, these guys, you know, I don't know, LeBron's not posting. I shot fucking 400 free throws today. Great. Just go do it, man. I, you know, I, I guess uh, when, when you, when you get down to it, it's like, it's all for, you know, the stage is for you when you're, whatever you're doing up there is for you. It's for you to get better. And again, you know, whatever motivates you because it is a tough business. So if marking stuff down is the way to light a fire under your ass, so be it. Uh, I just always thought that if that's what you, if you were doing that and putting that up, especially you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if what do you, you're, you're in your head, you're like, if I do that many sets, um, but, but again, I, you know, whatever, also, I guess to play devil's advocate, it's like, you know, I'm in a position, uh, you know, with a little more maybe cloud at some spots and can a regular at all the big clubs in LA where Mike is not. So it's like, yeah, I have opportunities to maybe go up in certain places. Uh, but then I'm sure he knows, cool all smaller shows that that i don't know of or, or get asked to so um yeah. all that being said whatever works for you there is no fucking blueprint for this business yeah. so if that's what uh if that's what you know really gets you going um but i think it's it's important to always be aware throughout the process and mike can probably speak to this too uh to not be affected by that outside stuff like that where you're feeling you need to be competitive with other people. And yeah. uh, sometimes I look at things like that as, uh, as a result of them feeling, you know, we're all fighting that urge to, to not 
contrast and compare to other people's careers and stay on your own path and be locked into what you're doing and know that everyone's journey is, is going to be different. Um, but when I see those types of concerns, I'm like, Oh, I almost want to say like, and I've told him because he, you know, he was a younger comic, uh, when I was maybe five, six years in. And so I need to ask a lot of questions. I throw advice when, when he, uh, seemed like he wanted it and uh he would he did get to a point to where he was like all right all right i, I know i know what i'm doing and i was <laughs> yeah. like all right yeah hey, if you do cool fucking i i don't need to waste my breath i'm just trying to help but yeah um because you want to feel like you know what you're doing and you and there is a point where you don't want to feel like you're just still trying to figure it out you want to feel that's what i was saying about rushing that feeling of like i got it it's like dude always be a student as long as you can you know Oh, absolute lifelong learner. Yeah. Hell yeah. Dude. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm talking about like the confidence in yourself and stuff like that. Were you ever doing crowd work at open mics or was it like once you kind of started getting paid um, and doing shows then you felt more? No, no. From the get go, dude. I -go. actually, I usually just found these uh, old hard drives with old uh, shows and sets. And yeah, there's a couple of my first times when I'm doing crowd work. I mean, out of, Honestly, it was out of necessity uh, or fear for not wanting to sit in silence and not ever have dead air and not, I couldn't not acknowledge if I did a joke and it didn't go well, or if I lost my train of thought, or if something happened, I just never saw, I was like, why would you not call it out? You know, like, uh, just watching this clip tonight, there's working with these guys uh, on this little uh, kind of, um, trying to pitch this whole uh, mini doc series um, to uh, the Netflix about uh, comedians and just like kind of in my position where you're still kind of, you know, done some cool shit, but you're still, still, uh, you know, grinding and climbing the charts. And, uh, and I, it forced me to go back and get assemble all this old uh, footage and clips and stuff. And the whole premise I think they want to do is to where you, you know, kind of takes you back. It's called like, I think coming home and then you end up performing a big show at, at the, uh, club you start at in front of the people that kind of helped uh you know um push it to where you got and uh or at least be along for the the ride uh, directly awesome. or indirectly and and so um and yeah i'm looking at this old footage was like you know i was going into the crowd and, and if something happened or somebody made a i think i did one joke that was just fucking weird and bombed and and there was kind of like nervous awkward laughter of just the attempt and then somebody just guy goes all right you know, and then I just started diving in on him for that and got all these great laughs from it because it was, and for whatever reason, I was way more comfortable handling that than, uh, than I was in doing the material. And, um, you know, obviously now I feel more, uh, honed and, and confident with writing jokes and you just get more, as you develop your point of view, you just start to recognize what you think is funny and it becomes easier because you get more conditioned to see the funny in things once you just figure out who you are as a person. And that also comes from reps on stage. Stand-up is a great school for just life and starting to figure out who you are uh, because you you get forced after a while to have to have a perspective. You're like, I can't just go up there and do social commentary and observational shit, which is what I was doing for the first two to four years. And yeah. then I had some people uh, kindly tell me like, hey man, you gotta fucking have a voice up there. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like it took a minute and I feel like now I'm, and, and it's still a, always a work in progress, you know, and having a 
lot of personal things to talk about helps because then you go, all right, well, what do I think about that? If yeah. this is true, then what else? You know, and always peeling things back and asking more questions to, to find, uh, you know, the answers that, that you can turn into funny and, and make relatable to a, a room full of strangers. But I still think there's great value in doing topical stuff because that to me is another great way to figure out what your point of view is, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, Greg Giraldo was one of my favorites and he was brilliant at that. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, do you have like an infamous experience with crowd work? Like uh, one time I was at, we were at, I was at uh, the United Center where Sebastian was uh, performing. Oh yeah. And he, wow. uh, he goes on Unbelievable. to girl. How was that in the arena like that? Great. Dude, the fact that he sold out 22,000 seats is unimaginable. Oh, I cannot imagine being in that level. Dude. It was amazing. He's ridiculous. Yeah. And do you yeah. know Pat McGann? Oh, yeah. He opened for, dude, he crushed it too. And his specials were. Of course, too. yeah. Sebastian was, yeah, um, produced the special, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and he goes up to this girl and he's like, So, uh, did you and your dad ever like go fishing as like kids? And she's like, I lost my dad when I was six years old. And he goes, okay, he just moves on to the next, <laughs> like the next person. Yeah. Like, do you have any infamous crowd moments where you were trying to work the crowd and then they just drop this? Oh, note? yeah. There's a clip actually online. You should cut to this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At the Ice House. <laughs> at the Ice House. Yeah. At the Ice House. Uh, it was a ho- during the holidays. And I said, happy holidays. And some woman goes, bah humbug. And I go, oh, shit. I go, what you got? What's, why you got so much lump in your coal? Uh, we haven't even gotten to the uh, the meat of the holiday season yet. And she goes, my husband husband passed away six weeks ago. I go, oh. And then she goes, I'm a widow with four kids. I go, oh. And I go, ah, all right. Um, and then that just, people just start laughing at that because it was just like, dude, I could not have. And this is one thing I've really learned is you got to play the moment real. You got to play yeah. to the height of your intelligence and not sugarcoat or try to be bigger than the moment. And it was like, I didn't know what to do or say. And I fucking let it, I reacted the way anybody would react. And I was just like, uh, all right. And I took a sip and I was like, let me, t-. and I took a sip of my beer. I was like, let me just take a sip of my beer. And then I was like, Miller Lite, when a widow knocks you off guard and pulls the rug out from under your set, right off, right off the bat. Yeah. And then that got some laughs. And then I was like, and then what I still do to this day, this was like 2011 when that happened. I I still always try to kill it with kindness and keep the audience on your side. So if you do need to fucking handle business and lay down the hammer, they're willing to let you do that because you've given chances, you know, drunk table of uh, bachelorette girls or birthday party or whatnot, or drunk dudes in the back, always going being like, what's going on, man? What's what's going on? Why are you so loud? What's this that? And, and give them chances to a, either move on from that. Or again, if I need to go back to it and handle it, that, that people are like, dude, yeah, shut the fuck up already. But, I started going in with this gal and trying to figure it out. And she just was a, she was fucking being as sweet as she could, but so giving with the info. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, uh, a buddy of mine just told me this. He's like, I hate dealing with that stuff. He's like, he's like, what I always love about, uh, what you do, he goes, is that you seem to enjoy actually talking to these people. And that comes from a genuine interest in people and every job I've had, even playing Wolverine at Universal Studios, I'm still dealing with people, bagging groceries at the grocery store, customer service booth, you know, all that just constant, I, I enjoy human interactions. Yeah, there's times if I'm on a plane and I got my headphones on and there's someone drunk when I sit down and she's already got four vodka mini bottles there and she's like, 
And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? She's like, if you need to pee, just do, 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 do it. It's first class, baby. And I'm like, yeah, I know I can just pee on my own. That's, yeah. Is that yeah. it? Yeah, that's, that's it. But, you know, and it, I'm like, what's up? If you can get some more vodka, I'll spit it with you. I'll spit it with you. Yeah, there's times when you're like, fucking leave me alone, person of the world. Yeah. Uh, but more often than not, I, especially in comedic situations when I know it's a show, I'm always intrigued. And there's, if you're patient, man, you can get some real gems of information that you can hopefully, you know, if you uh, have, have done the work, be able to spin it into some, uh, some funny for the, for the whole uh, audience. But, but yeah, that was, that was a doozy. That was probably the first. I've had other crazy ones, but that was the first one that really was like fucking just a smorgasbord of, of info that yeah, right out of the gate too, you know, where it was like, Hey man, this set, this, how this goes down will dictate the rest of the show. Sure. Um, how many years in were you when that happened? Four. Four years in. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, I, I can't imagine doing it. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. You want to do a fun question? <laughs> get, get it off the woman uh, whose husband passed away during the holidays. We'll go yeah, a little fun with this. It up. Yeah. Um, if you could put together a dream lineup, so we got an MC, feature act, headliner. What are you, who are you booking? Uh, oh, can't book yourself. Can't book yourself. Let's have some. Uh, I would up. have. Uh, yeah, man. I would have Dave Chappelle hosted. Okay. Um, I would have uh, Bill Burr uh, MC, and I would have uh, Greg Gerardo uh, headline. Those three. Boom. Yeah. I mean, those are my favorite comics, but I mean, I, I mean, fuck, I don't know, man, maybe. No, you know what? I might have, I would have Robin Williams and Bill Burr co-feature. Okay. Okay. So yeah. that, that was, that we're getting real, uh, thank you with it. Uh, yeah. So we still Chappelle though. Still Chappelle Austin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just because the ultimate host, you know, I got to go out to his summer camp in Ohio for a weekend and no not you only, oh yeah and not only seeing his tour manager a really good buddy of mine and uh and you know it was i'd met dave a few times at the store not enough to be memorable but man this this time was the amount of facetime and hang time and conversations i got with him in in uh you know small groups was just so special dude and and he has so much going on and is at the helm of so much and responsible for, for so many people's uh, worlds and how he manages to maneuver through it all and still maintain a, his own shit and, and not ever seem stressed is a, a work of art, dude. He's yeah. one of the most amazing people I think I've ever been around. And on top of that, he's my favorite comic. I mean, he's just fucking... I don't think there's, I know there's not, there's nobody better at straight up. I mean, dude, even he used to come to the comedy store and, and will when it resumes, but you know, come at one in the morning and, and just talk on stage for two, three hours. And dude, it might be like this, you know, like yep. a couple real great moments out of sure. two, three hours. But dude, I, I can listen to him talk for hours and he so thoughtful, always so present on and off stage, you know, uh, I was just a, a, a dude out there. Me and my boy Jaleel White went out and, you know, he knows Jaleel from, <coughs> from, from uh, Matters, right? 
family matters. Yeah, just you know, they've just been homies and their kids, I think, kind of know each other. And and so there was a little more rapport there. And and yeah. so I was definitely just new to it all. And and you know, Tiffany Haddish was there and, and I've known her for a minute, so that was cool. And and then you just, you know, try to assimilate as best as possible. And I'm a social dude, but but uh he was so cool in giving me you know, came up to me at one point. We were at the uh, back patio at the people's house who owns the uh, the uh, the venue that he was having, holding all the shows at. And he was just like, saw my Supersonics hat. And he was like, so you're from Seattle? He's like, and I was like, yeah. And then we just talked for 15 minutes, dude, about yeah. all sorts of shit. But that was like the the uh, the icebreaker for the combo. And he was just so cool, man. And I asked questions. And, and you don't, you know, you know after a while to not fan out. I mean, we were backstage. John Mayer came uh, through that weekend to do uh, basically the show that Dave and John Mayer do, which is called um, uh, uh, Controlled Chaos. No, uh, Dane, is it Controlled Chaos? Something Chaos. Um, and uh, basically, it's, you know, John plays a music set, and then Dave goes out and does some stand-up, and then John comes back out, and they fucking bullshit. And it's unbelievable, dude. That's awesome. And... Uh, and Dave was back there and we were talking and I was like, man, I went to your guys' New Year's show at the forum. And he was like, oh man, we talked about that. And there were some specific moments from that that were really great. And yeah, and, you know, it's, but, it, but it, you know, it wasn't fanning out. But again, enough, enough rapport had been built over that sure. to where it didn't seem like I was just saying, you know, coming up to him being like, Mr. Chappelle, Mr. Chappelle. And then when I found out that I got this show, this uh, rock show was uh, the morning of that last day. And so... I told my buddy who's the tour manager and he told Dave and Dave came up to me and gave me a big hug and big congratulations. And it was like, so fucking cool, man. Was, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. uh, it was really I mean, funny. We're watching John Mayer just do his thing, just fucking ripping and all the girls, Sarah Silverman and all the, the gals, uh, Chappelle's crew uh, and family are watching and, and Dave just watching. He just goes, how am I supposed to follow this bullshit? Yeah. And then he just goes, and then John's just ripping it and everyone cheers. And then Dave just looks at this guy and he goes, pussy jokes don't fail me now. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. That's so classic. Holy shit. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's cool. just like out of a movie with, uh, was it Get Hard with Will Ferrell? Where he's like, hmm. uh, John leans over and goes, let me, uh, you want to see a hundred girls get wet at the same time? And then he just starts oh, yeah. singing. I mean, yeah. that's a classic moment. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Classic. That's cool. Well, I've kept you, I've kept you definitely a long time. Um, All good. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Of course. Um, any, I, I mean, I would say any advice you want to leave the open micers, but you, uh, you've crushed it today with it, yeah, dude. Yeah, I think we got it, dude. You absolutely we, fucking yeah. smashed it. Gave a lot of good nuggets, I think. Yeah. But, you know, it's take it or leave it stuff. No, everyone's got their own ways of doing things, and I always try to preface that when I give any advice. It's like, this is from my experience. You know what I'm saying? So um, I never want to be like, it's this way or the highway. But, uh, but, there are, but again, I think the control, what you can control things, thing is a is one that should be used across the board because that just says without being too pushy like put in the work you know and don't yeah. be lazy and don't make excuses you know and uh and and good things will happen but nothing happens for anybody if they don't fucking go uh go hard in the paint uh like they know they're capable of you know sure. it's it's so and I, again i just know that from putting up roadblocks uh, for myself before 2007 of why and I should or shouldn't jump in fully. And then once you do, man, you just gotta go for it. It's like, I, I did not wanna be somebody at this stage of my life that was looking back being like, fuck, I wish I, cause I already saw, I was around people like that. Yeah. Or around people that I saw were gonna be like that. 
So, uh, yeah, control what you can control. That's yeah, as I gotta say, I I'm shocked you went with that. The, also, might be in a Pan Express fortune cookie. What? What'd you say? Why? You I, I lost gonna, you. We're losing you. Why? You thought I was gonna... Oh, just because they whooped your butt uh, in the '90s. Did we lose him on that smack talk? Yeah, but dude, but he's the but the goat, dude. Did you think? Did you think I was gonna go with like a Vladi Divac uh, quote or some shit? Well, I thought maybe <laughs> maybe the glove. Oh, <laughs> maybe you go glove or camp. I don't know if you gotta go to Vladdy. Let's not go too far here, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't know any memorable quotes. Also, it's like Jordan's the goat, dude. You know. Yeah. Are you preaching the choir with that one? Yeah, I know. Are you? What do you do now for basketball? Yeah, I mean, to support players. You know, anybody <laughs> from the Northwest. The Blazers are kind of my squad. Yeah, I like Dame Lillard because he's loyal to Blazers and um, and Portland's uh, just a dope city and and the Northwest. It's the only Northwest basketball. But yeah. you know, uh, Sue Bird and the Seattle Storm are crushing it up there. They're holding it down. Um, but but uh, players at this point, you know. I, I dug the Lakers when the Sonics left for a little bit because uh, it was fun to watch Kobe not in a night out like that. But yeah, until this until Seattle gets a team back, man, uh, there's no way I can grab another. It's just it doesn't work like that, you know. Yeah, cool. Quote uh, like Colin Coward. You also like, take the silos. <laughs> the what? Colin Coward once like had this moment where he goes, "I lost my team to a city with silos," and like that was like his yeah. big thing. Yeah, man, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's good yeah. well Adam dude if Thanks I ever made it up yeah you want to talk about yeah. my parents divorce after this yeah <laughs> yeah well uh, that's for episode two but uh okay great cool man thanks so much for good doing to meet this. you man yeah, yeah and if I run into, hopefully I'll run into you in LA and we'll uh we'll talk about how bad this intro was I love it dude I love it uh, <laughs> perfect man thanks so much all right man good luck Nick good luck have a good one <laughs>